That's your decision now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. All right, cheers. Cheers. Hey, thanks for coming out, Zach. Yeah, Appreciate thanks it, for having man. Me. Yeah. Mm. So, first time in Utah, or have you been here before? I've never been to Utah. Um, I was flying in. I saw the lake. That's why they call it Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I actually, uh, I like to, when I come to a new town, if I have the time, I like to stay for a couple days. So, I'm actually right. going to stay two or three days. Are you really? Yeah, I'm going to stay till, um, till Thursday and just check out the town. Um, you know what I'm like, I travel a lot. And if I right. just have an extra day or two, um, because I think, I think people forget that the United States is like this awesome place that there's right. so much stuff to do. And it's like, well, no, actually the only thing to do is go to Las Vegas, go to New York, <laughs> go to LA and it's like, or Miami. Right. And it's like, those places are actually kind of dying really. Um, at least right now. And so it's like, you know, I walked downtown last night and I was mm-hmm. like, yo, here's like a cool craft bar. Right. right. Like, oh, here's another cool craft bar. Like, oh, here's an Irish pub. Like, it's kind of a dive, but like, yeah, that's where I went. And I had a beer and I talked to the bartender and she was cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm here to do podcasts, whatever. And, right. you know, so it was a, it's fun to do that, you know? Yeah. It, I, I, I would agree. I think I was just in New York last week and it was interesting because people, like they have this perception of New York where, you know, it's like the Gestapo is coming around with their, like telling you to put your mask on, which wasn't the case, by the way. Like most places I went, I was not wearing a mask. I'd never wore a mask inside, like walking into restaurants and shit. And most people didn't even say anything. <laughs> but you hear this perception is that these people are all like crazy. And it's like, no, man. Actually, there's there's a huge percentage of people out there that really don't give a fuck. Like they don't care. And I did notice though that it it didn't seem like as lively as a, as it would be like a few years ago when I was there. And maybe I don't know. I mean, I was kind of in a bubble, but it seems like people kind of been beaten down by this thing. Yeah. So I was actually, um, I was playing, a, I was supposed to play a show um, one night. I was like headlining at 1.30. Really? And, I mean, yeah. So the clubs, you know, the clubs are always packed, right? Right. Um, and I get there and there's like 10 people. And like, I literally, <laughs> I literally brought my buddy who's like a DJ and I was mm-hmm. like, yo, I ain't doing this. Like, <laughs> you, you, like, you just go up there for like 20 minutes and they'll shut this thing down. Right. And he did it. And I was like, because um, I'm like, I just, it's, you know, it's just, it's, so now you have guys that are in charge of clubs right. that are shutting down their smaller clubs and then using the promoters that are promoting for those clubs to send them to the bigger clubs. Mm, okay, because, okay. Because what happened, there's a couple of things that happened. Obviously, just this whole thing has made everything awful and no one wants to be there. Right. It's not as safe as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really safe at all. I actually saw a shooting um, while I was there. Wow. Yeah, like, I heard, like, pop, pop, pop. And it didn't, the gun they used just didn't, it didn't sound, like, loud enough to be a gun. And I I just kind of, like, I'm looking around, and everyone's running. I'm like, ooh, maybe I should run. (laughs) But I'm like, well, well, the bullets are already fired, and the cops already pulled up. I'm like, so I went over, and I was like, oh, yep, that's blood on the ground. Um, But, yeah, it's it's not as safe as it was. And the, the third thing is, one, they weren't letting international tourists in at all. Right. I don't know if you... Yeah. Remember that? Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was like the craziest. I didn't, I didn't even realize that, mm-hmm. which is, you know, New York is huge for international tourists. Yeah. Now you still have to show a negative test to come here. Oh, yeah. 
And it's like, first of all, why? Because mm-hmm. the cases are huge. So who even cares anymore? Right. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense to me either. It really hasn't made sense to me for a long time. But then I, I there's some things like, you just kind of say, fuck it. It doesn't matter to me anymore. It's like, okay, I got to show a, you know, a negative test to get into this bar. And then as soon as I walk in, I can pull my mask down and have a drink and I'm, I can live like a normal human. Um, it doesn't make sense to me, but it doesn't make sense to me even when you walk around an airport and you have to have your mask on, which I haven't had on for like six months, but that's <laughs> irrelevant. You, but supposedly, right? Everybody's walking around. And then right outside of the main thoroughfare in the restaurant, everybody else in the restaurant doesn't have one. It's literally like three feet away. And it's like, this is air and it's movement. This like, There's literally zero substantive scientific fact backing up any of this shit. And why... Why we haven't just been like, this is crazy. Like, this is fucking complete insanity, right? Like, every, like you want to look around and go, like, this is crazy, right, everybody? Mm-hmm. Like, because everybody, but no, there's a ton of people who are like, no, this piece of fucking t-shirt that I have on my face is going to protect me against fucking <laughs> <laughs> virus. And, and we all have to pretend. That's like, it's like, Trying to believe in Santa Claus is a 40-year-old sometimes where you're like, hey, man, like my kids are like eight and four. I still got to play along with it because it's fun. You know, it's fun for the kids to still like think that Santa Claus can travel internationally and go through every one of the fucking chimneys and deliver presents well, he and better, shit. He better get a test before he yeah. gets here. So That's true. <laughs> Santa better be fucking pot or oh better God. be negative and wearing a mask before he fucking delivers yep. presents. That's a good point. And he can't do, and he can't do it in New York City unless he's fully vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, they're going to make a three shot soon. So, you know, he better get on that. <laughs> fucking put them all in. That's what I'd say. Like make a suppository, like, you know, put it in your ears. Like just fuck yeah. it. Who put cares? They were ta- they were talking to me. They're like, yeah, we could maybe put this in people's food. Like, yeah. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> I was like, good, good call. We should just continuously take it. it should, you should put it in your coffee. <laughs> it's like a, a, a okay, vaccination a coffee. Oh now. yeah, yeah. We better like we better get off this. <laughs> so, how does one get into your line of work? Like, how did you even get into this, man? Like, um, so unpack your entire history yeah, for us figured, first. So, like, let's just unpack your history. Yeah. So I'm. Zach, but I'm also Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Uh, and the Bay is spelled B-A-E. Which I thought end. is fucking super funny. Yeah. So I was stationed uh, in Guantanamo Bay. Um, I joined the Navy uh, specifically because I wanted college money, not because I wanted to serve my country. Right. Um, most people won't admit to that, but I'm like fully admitting. <laughs> and there's a huge percentage of people that actually did that. So yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and um, so when I joined, I joined the Navy because I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to be involved in the war in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> right. I joined a... Uh, as you know, you might know in the Navy, we have rates. Mm-hmm. So my rate was operations specialist. Uh, that's like a radar navigator. Right, right, um, right. So I uh, go through boot camp, go through A school, graduate. I was the first person in my, my class to graduate, but I wasn't the top because it was self-paced. So, right. But I was motivated, right? I was like, I'm a, I was a fuck up in high school. If you're an academic, I had a 1.86 GPA, which I think it's a D plus. It's solid. It's at least a D plus. I mean, you know, it's solid. Brag. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was like super motivated when I joined the Navy. I was like, I'm going to turn my life around. This is going to be awesome. And I actually did. Like I did really well in my uh, operations specialist A school. Mm -hmm. Got out, and I waited on hold for like a month. And I was like, and all you do on hold in the Navy is clean barracks. Right. And I was like, this fucking sucks. And then it turned into four months. 
But luckily, I had been called to the schoolhouse to, to like, to do work for this chief for one week. And then, like, I realized they would let you out in the morning from your 8 a.m. muster. And they wouldn't, they did like, they were like, no one cared what you did after that. Like, really? Until the next 8 a.m. muster the next <laughs> Are day. Are you kidding me? Just because you were on school duty. Right, Like, right. you had to muster, like, at, like, 6 o'clock every day, 6 p.m. Right. every day. But if you were on the school duty, you didn't have to muster. So yeah. I would just, so after a week of it, they let me go. And I just never told the people that I was not, uh, that I was not doing that duty. <laughs> that I was just, so I would just go to the MWR and I would just like pass out until probably about 10 a.m. Then I'd hit the gym for about an hour and a half. Solid. Run, um, go to the, you know, go get some chow, come back to the MWR, like play some video games and then go to the gym again. And then I don't even, I don't even really know what I did. I had to do something until at least 4 p.m. every day. Did that for four months. Um, finally, I got orders and, and um, I was like, reading them and I'd never read orders before. And right. I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? Guantanamo Bay? <laughs> what ship is stationing Guantanamo Bay? <laughs> right. And it was like, and I like went to schoolhouse. I asked my chief, he's like, you go to Guantanamo Bay. I was like, why am I going to Guantanamo Bay, chief? He's like, you're gonna be a prison guard. It's like, what do you say? Right? Say, hi, chief. You right. Get the fuck out of the office, right? Right. So I'm like, you know, I go through the training, whatever, get to Guantanamo Bay. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this is fucked. Like, I don't want to be here. I didn't want to have anything to do with this fucking war on terror. Right. Like, I'm pissed off. And, you know, I'm just guarding fucking tainers every day. Detainees. Tainers. Yeah, yeah. Um, did that and uh, went to... First, I was at Camp 4, minimum security. Then I went right. to Camp 6, um, medium security. Joined the force cell extraction team. I started to get kind of motivated. Right. I wanted to, like, hurt people. <laughs> right. I shouldn't say that. That's but, like, <laughs> I wanted to, like, hurt these guys. Like, I never did anything so... Our motto was uh, fair, firm, and partial, right? You couldn't be mad at these guys for what they did. Like, you couldn't treat them any differently. And I, sure. and I took that very seriously. Right. Um, but I was the number one man on the FCE team, uh, so I carried the shield. Mm-hmm. So when they popped the door open, you know, I go in. Um, and, you know, it was cool. And it was cool for a while. And then they started kind of like the Obama administration who just got in. They said they right. were going to release them. Yeah, yeah. They said they were going to shut it down. Yeah. And that was fucking awful for us. Really? You know, that's when the shit started to fly when the closer we got to that date, the more the literal shit started to fly. Right. Like they started realizing that this is coming or they thought it was coming and then they're yeah. compliant basically. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. If, like if he would have never said anything, that would have been better for us because right. they wouldn't have been as angry as they were. Mm-hmm. And then that turned to the officers. I know you love officers. I do. I I'm love a big them. fan of officers. Too. <laughs> that turned to the officers like, oh, we got to have two guards. Where there was normally like one guard, we have to have two guards there. Right. So all we're doing for 12 hours a day is just standing or walking. Like, and then we get home and like, and you know, just got to the point to where... They went from us roving to us right. like closing down the pods to or closing in closing them to where the detainees could just do whatever they want all day. Really? Yeah. So we were just standing there. And it got to the point to where I was just like, I was so not motivated that I would just you could hold on to like the little pressure release on the door. Right. So whenever someone would like someone would come over to check on you, they were checking to make sure you're okay. They were right. checking to make sure you weren't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And right. I was. <laughs> I, want, I want them to know. I want them to know right now. Every fucking officer that I hated, I want them to know that I was sleeping all the time on my watch <laughs> because I don't care. My job was to make sure they didn't kill themselves. Right. And I don't care if they killed themselves. Well, I, I wouldn't mind. I um, think 
Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. I, I have so many questions. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to be on the show. I actually haven't spoken to anyone that was a guard there. Like, what can you tell us or what can you tell me about the entire situation? Like, like these guys, because you hear like all these different narratives. I know for a fact because I was on the other end, like scooping these guys or, or putting them in planes mm. for transportation. <laughs> and most of these guys are bad dudes. And I say, like, statistically, it, it, you can't be 100% accurate because it's, it's your human error is, is human error. Mm. But most of these guys were really bad guys. What was your experience with these, these guys from your end? Yeah. Um, I mean, so that's, so that's the thing is, is um, we didn't really know. So we, right. we know that a couple guys, like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know the number. Maybe sure. it was 10%, maybe it was right. 25%, like got, got snapped up for the wrong reasons. Like right. maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe some dude had a feud with some other guy that went back 10 generations and yeah. he's just like fucking him over. And then once you send them, so once you send them to Guantanamo Bay and you might already know this, you can't, you can't just send them back. You like, can't. Yeah. No one's going to be like, oh yeah, I'll take, you know, whatever the fucking guy's right. name, ISN 00482, whatever. Right. Like, sorry, like he's kind of an international uh, terrorist. So we don't, <laughs> we don't really want him back in Libya. Yeah, right. Our problems. Um, so, but maybe he's not really a terrorist, but it's like, right. it's too late. But there were a lot of bad guys down there. Um, you know, like, I met one of the guys, I, I don't remember his n- name, but he was like this British guy. He got arrested in England. Right. Like, and he spoke like British English and I don't, I don't remember what he did, but right. um, he was a bad dude. I remember. So I think the best example would be this forced cell extraction we did. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was KSM. Right. I was, it was either him or like one of his dudes. So right. Camp 2-3 is like an open air cell area. Um, so I'm on the FCE team. Um, you know, combat camera comes up and they're like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do the whole spiel and they film you doing the whole thing. Right. So I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm the number one man. I carry the shield and smack my shield, you know, whatever. Right. And then <laughs> we, we would start to screw around and it's like, I'm the number two man. <laughs> I think the number two was the team leader. I'm the team leader. I make sure the team, blah, blah. blah. And then it's like, I'm number three. Like, and then you get to number six. So number one is always a big dude. Number six is always a small woman. Cause at the end of, well, I'll tell you what happens at the end. It's very, it's very fun. Right. So we, um, so we go down the block, whatever. He's the only dude on the block because he's a leader. Right. And what the the leaders will hype everyone else up, and then they'll do something like they'll they'll make it rain. Like right. So you have like a two tier pod. Right. Um. And what they'll do is they'll clog up the toilets. Oh. And then, and then the water will fall down from the top, or they'll just smear shit all over the walls or whatever. Right. Um. One one guy drew an American flag and shit. So oh. I, don't, I don't know if that was a. I mean, maybe he was just trying to do some art. <laughs> yeah, that that would be debatable. Yeah, and I debatable. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I. Um, but um, so they they would do just anything to fuck with us, you know. Like um, you know, one guy was just he would always tell me stories about like blowing up Marines or something. And, oh wow, you know that really. Well, somebody's like, well, why don't you just. <laughs> Somebody goes, why don't you just walk away? Right. I'm like, I'm the guard. I'm the I guard. Walk, <laughs> I walk the fucking block. Like, right. what am I going to do? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, hey guys, I got to take, you know, you could, you could call for relief if you were getting pissed off. Right. Um, but whatever. But so we go on the block, um, you know, we, we go in, you know, he's not combative. So I put my shield to the side. The guys go in, 
you know, tag him, whatever. We got him in uh, cuffs. We bring him out. We carry him like this. Um, we bring him over and and they're just checking him for stuff. And um, I think it was just because he wouldn't, like he, w- he wouldn't eat. So they had to tube feed him. Right. They call it force feeding. I call it tube feeding. Right. Um, I like tube feeding yeah. better. It sounds better. Yeah. It's more catchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's, and we like have this dude and he's like telling us the story, right? He's telling us the story of, uh, of how America is like this wolf and like, in Afghanistan, they're the sheep. Right. And I listened to it and I was like, damn, this is like kind of, it was like a, I don't remember it, but it was like a really compelling story, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, if you were someone who lived in a tribe and you right. didn't have any formal education and this guy came up to you and like tried to convince you to go and shoot it, you know, a convoy right. or whatever that's going by, like, this is the kind of guy that could do it, right? And you're like, yeah, this is a bad dude. This is a dangerous guy. So we, we bring him back to cell. You know, we put him down. So the last thing, the number six, the reason number six is a small woman is because she has to hold on to him while we take off the cuffs. Right. She keeps the arms and legs in. And right. then I, as the number one man, grab onto her because we're in riot gear, right? Right. So I grab onto her um, vest and I pull her out like, and then place her down um, as, as the cell door is being like closed. Oh, right. Okay. And so... His cell is like a mesh wire, right? But it's got plexiglass covering it so he can't throw shit at us. <laughs> this dude is so good at thro- hiding and throwing shit. Like some guard was in there checking to make sure he didn't have any shit to throw at us as he was out of his cell. Right. This dude is so good at hiding it and nothing against the guard that went in. Like they're just good at this. He was able to hide a, a cup of shit, like a little cup like that. And he threw it at the top of the wall, hit the top of the wall, and it sprayed down all <laughs> over us. Like he was so good. So at it. gross, man. <laughs> and the well, so we're in full like riot gear, like yeah. whatever. We're fully covered. <laughs> and you'd think like, oh, these guys are gonna be grossed out. So we get out and like obviously we're like taking the stuff off as fast as possible. Right. And we all look at each other and we're like, yo, because we hadn't got hit with shit before. Right. And we're like, yo, like, that's that's when you're like a real get mo guard is when right. you get hit with shit. So we were all like, yeah, we did it. Like, we did it. Like, yeah, hell yeah. So we were celebrating. <laughs> I mean, the only equivalent, like, I'm not calling this an equivalent, but the equivalent, I assume, would be like you got in your first firefight or something. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that was like, for us, that was like, you know, nobody got hurt. Like, whatever. Yeah. It was just we got covered in shit. Right. Like, so... Um, that's, I guess if that gives you an idea of like what, what it was kind of like, I guess. Yeah. I think there's like, you know, one of the things that you always have this, your, your mind's eyes to what is going on. Right. So I know soldiers, sailors, airmen, right. I know because I was one and I, and I understand like, there's a lot of just jackassery that goes on. Yeah. Like, like you're telling the story about like four months of playing video games and working out <laughs> and just like skating. And it's, it's like, yeah, man, everybody's had like a few weeks or some, some area of time in their career where they've just like skated hard, like, mm-hmm. because they're like in purgatory, they've got a, you know, several year contract, the, the mill or whatever doesn't, exactly know where you are or whatever it might be. Everybody's had that, that time. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's a month or whatever. I, I tore my right medial gastroc early on and I had like six months of PT and cause it was, it was 
can run, can, can do much of anything. And, um, and cruising around in like a boot. And then I had, I'd also had two broken arms. So I broke both my arms. Oh my and, uh, so I've had lots of like time to just like convalesce and yeah. fuck off. But like, truly, like I would like dip out for like two weeks with like two casts <laughs> on, you know, cruising around Seattle, drinking coffee or whatever. And just like reading books and hanging out. Mm. But just total skate, like, Nobody watching me. And it's like the best feeling. Yeah. It's like the best feeling you're ever. You're away with it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, there's nothing I can do. Only thing I can do is like sleep till like fucking 10, play some video games or read. Back then, I there was no video games to be played, but I'd read and fucking drink coffee and just like totally fuck off. It's like the best feeling ever. Yeah. Especially as a young, as a young guy, because you're like... It's, it's almost feels like you're getting paid to skip school. That's almost <laughs> that like... That is exactly what it feels like. Right? Yeah. In the military, your parents. <laughs> yeah, And they're exactly. trying to catch you. They're, they're like, here's $10. <laughs> and you're going to go like get an allowance to go skip school. Because now you have money. You can go do things. Not, not a lot, granted. But it, it's funny. One, understanding that experience. Then two, the Gitmo experience. There's this perception... Of that is just not reality from a lot of civilians, I think, where they're like, guards are just so fucking squared away. You know, they're like AJ squared away all the time. And then, you know, and then you, if you listen to NPR or whatever you listen to, you're going to hear this one side of the story where it's like, there's just nothing but innocent people in Gitmo. <laughs> and, and they're just all these like upstanding citizens that we accidentally scooped up or whatever, right? That's NPR's take. And then, you know, if the other side or whatever is like, they're all fucking crazy, you know, terrorist assholes, which the truth is somewhere in between. But I think it would be interesting to hear like, what was it like to be stationed there? Like, was it... Because I look at it and I'm like, dude, that that kind of sounds cool as far as like where you live and what you're doing. Like, could, did you have like access to the beach or... Is there yeah. anything redeemable about it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest problem for me was like... um I think I think as a kid, like I didn't really have a good, I didn't. I, not that all, a lot of us had good childhoods. I think there's, I think there's sort of this. I think if you're you if you join the military, you, a lot of us, especially enlisted, just didn't have yeah great childhoods. And I just wasn't, I wasn't mentally acclimated for like what I was gonna have to put myself through. Like I, I mentally acclimated myself to get through boot camp and right. school. Like I was like that's, and then I was like I'm gonna go to the fleet and get all my quals. You know, like I'm going to get the little pin thingy and yeah, yeah I'm going to be squared away Joe Navy. Right? right, right. And then that just like totally threw me in a disarray. And I know that the military has the right to do whatever they want with you. Like sure. that's just how it works. Yeah. So, you know, like, but like if you, if you fuck me over like that, like I'm going to fuck you back. Right. <laughs> like, so, so for me, yeah, there, there was like, I mean, there was snorkeling. <laughs> so fucked up. There's snorkeling, right? So I go snorkeling and it's the day before my birthday. Right. And I cut my foot on a coral reef. Um, and then I go into work the next day on my birthday, you know, I'm doing my 12 hour shift yeah. and my foot swells up so big. I can't fit in my boot, but if it wouldn't have been for that, I wouldn't have got my birthday off. So right. like, you can't, you gotta, you gotta take the good with the bad, but my, my, now I'm, you know, now everyone wants to save the coral reefs. I'm like, fucking kill them all, man. <laughs> kill them. You can, you can, you can quote me on that. Kill the coral reefs. No, I'm kidding. But, um, but, uh, no. So, I mean, you know, there was some, there was some like humanity moments, right? Right. Like, yeah. These guys like, so this is, I feel bad saying this, but like, I'm just going to say it like, like, yeah, these guys like fought against Americans, maybe some of them killed Americans, but like, 
you know, this is a war. Like right. they're on that side, right? Like I understand that this war is different than the wars that we fought in the past because of the way we worded things, but it's the same type of war. They're, mm-hmm. you're the enemy to them. They're the enemy to you. So like, you know, like, um, like I would talk to these guys and, you know, I didn't make friends with anyone because right. again, fair, firm, impartial. Some right. people did. We called them TLs, Tanner lovers. Um, but like, if the guys came up to me and they were just asking for, you know, we had to give them water bottles for right. whatever reason they couldn't have their own water bottles. I don't know. Right. But so yeah, yeah, here's a water bottle, man. Like, you know, if they're having a down day and they want to just vent, I'm not going to like comfort him. I'm not going to like right. put my hand through the wire and <laughs> it's okay. Some people really did that, you know? Oh, man. Um, but like, but I, I'd listen to him and I'd kind of nod my head and, you know, I wouldn't like if, if the dude was like mad about something and he wanted to talk to the interpreter, like I'm not going to, I could really just pretend to call the interpreter and some people did, but like if he's upset, like I'm going to call the interpreter. Don't, I don't fuck with their prayer calls. Like, right. you know, like I don't, like if it's prayer call, like I'm not moving around. I'm not being a dick. If, if one of them looks at me, cause I'm not, I, you know, cause I mean, you're going to fuck up sometimes. So sure. Of course. Sometimes I'd be doing something and he'd be like, Shh, and I'd be like, oh. My bad. Like, right. You know, like, I'm just, don't be a dick. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and treat them like human beings. And then, you know, sometimes we had arrangements too. Like when I was in camp four, the minimum security camp, we didn't do any roving. Right. So I would just be standing next to the door and I'd be like, I'd be like, yo, 00248 or whatever. I forgot how the ISNs worked. But right. I was like, yo, if you see the watch commander come around, I'm going to go sleep. Like, I'm asleep. Come over here. You tell me. He's like, yeah, go, go, to, go to sleep. MP. They called us MP. He's like, go to sleep, MP. I, I take care of you. And people are like, well, what if they killed themselves? I'm like, I don't care. They're like, you're going to get sent to Fort Leavenworth. I'm like, I don't care. I was literally at the point where it was like, I was so depressed that I wouldn't care if I died. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. I wasn't, I've never been suicidal. Right. But like, I was just so depressed. I was like, it didn't, because... So some people can like stand there for 12 hours a day with no stimuli. Right. Like that's cool to them. They actually enjoyed it. But I'm a philosopher. Right. right. I think all day. And all I did all day was think about like the moral implications of, you know, detainees versus this or who right. is this guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but this and that. And then they tell me fucked up stories to fuck with me and that would fuck with me. And right. so sleeping was actually my way of not going fucking batshit crazy. Right. Like I would get in like a solid eight hours. I'd be awake for about four. Right. And I'd go home and like, I'd go to the gym. Um, so when I was leaving Gitmo, I actually, I got choice orders, right? They gave us choice orders because everyone that, w- so I, I forgot about this part. Everyone that went there was E4 and above. Right. Because you had to volunteer for that and you had to be already in the fleet. It was okay. A, it was a, do you know what GSA? Mm. It's like, uh, so you have IA, individual augmentees right. in the Navy, which means you get, pulled from your ship, but you're still attached to the ship and you go do an army job, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you might've seen some guys in Iraq or Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Th- mm-hmm. That were sailors. Those guys were probably IA unless obviously they were like SF dudes or whatever. Right. Um, but then you have GSA, which is where your command is actually the place itself. Okay. Um, so you had to volunteer for that. But the caveat was our uh, company, 10 Echo, which is my company, 20 of the people, 10 of them were from AOA school and 10 of them were from OSA school. And they just picked us and told us we had to do it. So it's kind um, of a random. Right. And everyone's like, as soon as we get to, as soon as we get to training, like all the E4s and above who came from the fleet are like, they sent you guys here first. Like, wow, your careers are fucked. Little did I know. Seriously? Little did I know they were totally correct. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's um, fucked up. Well, ironically, when I was leaving, um, I was totally different. I was like, yo, I want to go fucking kill some people. Like, right. let's fucking do it. So I, I, um, I volunteered for... Um, well, I put in for orders to Riveron 2. I don't know if you know Riveron. What's that? It's like a riverine squadron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they're now they're like getting captured by Iranians and they're just doing port security. Right. Um, but before they were, I, apparently they were doing like the same stuff as Swick, but just mm-hmm. not as cool. Right. Not as like well-trained, but pretty well-trained. Mm-hmm. So I was like super hype. So I was like, you know, you had the TRKs and you'd run to the gym. Right. Or you, I mean, I'd run to the pool and I had my little fins and I was like, I learned the combat side stroke and all this stuff. And then two months before I was going to leave, my orders got dropped and I'm like, what the fuck? And it's like, oh, you didn't do the physical fitness test. I'm like, why? I can't read orders. I still have never been to the fleet. Like, <laughs> I don't want and, and there was no like, there was no command leadership. Like, right. like you know, normally you have an LPO leading petty officer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you're E6 and you have a chief. Like, right. In Gitmo, there was no LPO. There was really? No there was technically one. You technically had one. Right. But it was every man for himself. Like, as soon as work's done, like, everyone's going home. Like, like don't fucking bother me. Like, I don't want to talk about... No one wanted to talk about work. Everyone just wanted to be gone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, they dropped me. Um, and then I ended up on the USS Boone. That ended up not going well either. <laughs> how long... Like, how big was that ship? Uh, the Boone? Yeah. 250. But we were undermanned, I think. Um, also, hate, hate the captain, too. If he's... If he, if he ever listens, if he ever listens, I yeah. hope he knows that I hate him. Um, so is it what? What kind of ship was it? Uh, FFG frigate. Okay. Yeah, guided missile frigate with no guided missiles. Oh, badass! <laughs> yeah. So what does it do? Well, it's got a seventy-six millimeter gun. Okay. Um, and it's got chaff. Cool chaff. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if chaff. missiles are coming yeah. at you, you can you can chaff it. Chaff it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So did you go? Did you go out? Do you have to see? Like, uh, I, I'm not a big yeah. Navy lingo guy, but like, so, I'm assuming that's what... Did you go float? So right? I would... Uh, did you go... Um, I, see, I don't even remember. So oh I, my so God. You'll understand it in a second, but like... Um, uh, so I was on the... When I got to the ship, I wasn't supposed to be deployable for a year. Right. Within six months of getting there, they were going to deploy again. I was supposed to be on shore duty. Right. I was promised shore duty. But when they dropped my orders, they said, no, you fucked up. So now you get whatever we tell you. Cool. So I get to the ship and I'm just super depressed and I'm just like totally like mind is just mush. And I'm like, and I get to the ship and I'm like, well, at least I'm going to learn how to do this stuff. They sent me to sea school before they sent me to the ship, by the way, which is like where they teach you yeah. your job even better. Right. Right. So I learned uh tattle J zero three, four, eight. Um, and I was like, I don't like the whole time. I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> I what I is it? Know. What was it? <laughs> I, I don't know what any of this is. I've never done it. What was it? It's um, it's the link system. So it's um, it provides the fleet. It's basically sending information from your ship to the fleet, oh, so they okay. can create a complete picture of all the contacts around the fleet. So if you're in a battle group, um, like our frigate would be sending it to the um, like the carrier who's mm-hmm. in charge. And then they would send data back to us so that we'd, it would have a complete picture of what all the contacts were. Okay. I don't know how it works. I remember <laughs> I took, I took the class. I don't remember exactly how it works, but like it's, it's called like a Nikos or some, some shit. But yeah, I got to the ship. Um, you know, we did a, we did a, we steamed, we just steamed like it's, what does that mean? Uh, it's like a Cleveland steamer, I guess. No, it's, <laughs> you, you go, can I say that? Yeah, of course. You can say whatever you um, want. Awesome. Yeah, so we we went out for like a week 
Um, and then we came back um, and uh, I actually got in trouble. Um, underage drinking. Oh, I was, I was 20 years old. I just got frocked to E5. Nice. Um, and in the Navy, six months probationary period, if you get in trouble, boom, you're down to E3. Right. So um, they knocked me down to E3. I, in their defense, I had been a shithead and they were gunning for me. Right. But I was also super depressed and just miserable. So I, I was like, I was on um, restriction on the ship for like two months or something. <laughs> Half months pay times two. And uh, I was like, you know what, man? Fuck this. So I, so I said, uh, I want to go see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So they had to take me over to, uh, I was at Mayport, Florida. They took me over to uh, um, the other one. I forget what it's called. Uh, it's like near Orange County, Florida. Right. Um, and I just talked to the guy. I'm like, dude, if you send me back to that ship, like something bad's going to happen. And he's like, he's what? trying to get me to say I'm going to kill myself. Right. He like wants me to say, <laughs> he wants me to say that so he can send me like a crazy ward. Right. And I know he wants me to say that. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm just going to do my job poorly. Right. Somebody's going to like, I'm going to be navigating the ship. Somebody's going to fall overboard. We're going to do an overboard drill and I'm just going to fuck it up. Right. And like, somebody's going to die. And he's like, okay. I'm like, you can't send me back. So like, they they took me off the ship and I got my shore duty. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're on light limited duty. Right. Um, And then I just did that. I only had like a year left. So I just, a year and a half and I did like a year of light limited duty and then I got taken off of light limited duty, but then I applied for an early out because they had that program. So right. I got my honorable discharge, but I did my fucking deployment, you know? Yeah. Like, I just, so I, I just, you know, I did the fucking hard shit. I was a good fucking, I was a good fucking sailor and a good fucking guard when I needed to be. Right. And when I need, when my job was to make sure guys weren't fucking killing themselves, I was like, this is bullshit and I don't care. Right. So, I mean, I did, I did the job that I was, most people would just, lie and say they were awesome the whole time. But like, I just, I like to be honest about everything. Like, it's like, because a lot of people didn't have great careers and they probably lie about those careers. And, you know, it's like, you know, for me, I, I like, I go to mental health counseling and it's like, it's not a big deal. Right. Like, you know, we all had, we were all shitheads. We all got fucking knocked down. Like, you know, how many people haven't fucking been to uh captain's master or whatever you, what do you guys call it? Uh, Article 15 or Article 15. board. Yeah. yeah. I had, I bought a couple of those shirts back in the day. Yeah. They're good shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're good shirts. Yeah. I think most of us, like, you know, most of the time, you know, we talk to, like, I talked to a lot of guys that were like, you know, seals or whatever, right? Because I mean, that I come from, there's a whole section of the military that's outside of special operations that, you know, I, we talk to every day. I mean, outside of these walls, if we were to go outside of the podcast and like walk around, there's guys yeah. that have got all different types of military occupational skills in the, in the Marine Corps, the Navy, the Army, and they're across the board. Like one of the things I, I thought was really interesting, you know, one was your Gitmo experience. Then two, you transition into something that is like, I don't think there's a lot of people that are doing it to any success. So how... Like, how did you make your transition out and then decide like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. Like, this is the next piece because it doesn't seem like a normal route. Like, it doesn't seem like a professional route for anybody. Yeah. uh, Everyone wanted me to, everyone wanted me to be a cop. Right. Even like, so I got out, um, I did some, I went to New York. Uh, Mm -hmm. My uncle, awesome guy, he let me sleep on his couch for like six months. Got my own place, like went to um, Pace University. Um, And I was like kind of, I was kind of like not a veteran 
like I wasn't like a guy who was like wanted to wanted the world to know in any way, shape, or form that I was a veteran. I was like, I'm gonna just be a college student, like whatever. Right. And then I met this guy. Uh, he was a former scout sniper. Uh, he was actually recruiting for a fraternity. Right. The fraternity was like like full of veterans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm down with this. Right. It was really cool. Like, you know, they had a whole process and everything, but we were doing fun stuff. He's like, you got to carry these eggs around for a whole day. Right. And at the end of the day, like, you got to run across these bridges and you got to, and we're putting the eggs in the, in the ground. You got to army crawl, you know, <laughs> to the eggs and there's a machine gun. Like, some, some guys just going, da-da-da-da-da. like, this is a good time. Um, and I, and I was like, this is awesome. So a couple of the guys in my fraternity, um, you know, ever we had a good mix of just guys that hadn't been in the military and guys who had, and the guys that hadn't been in the military are, you know, a little bit more artistic, creative, not the guys that have been in the military can't be right. artistic and creative. We're just, I think we're just afraid to be. And I think a lot of people tell us we can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were DJs and I was like, dude, that's so cool. And I fell in love with electronic music. Right. Um, I was actually, again, I was like super depressed after I got out, like, I hadn't been, all I had was anger and laughter, right? Those are the only two emotions that I have, which aren't really emotions. Laughter is usually just masking shit, right? Mm -hmm. So I went to this uh, music festival um, uh, and um, I never really listened to electronic music. Like they don't really have it in Missouri, but I had had been listening to it when I was in the military and I just didn't know what to call it. Right. So you go to this music festival and uh, one of my buddies actually gives me uh, Molly. Right, MDMA. Yeah. Um, and I took it and I'm like, and I'm in this trance tent. It's like trance music, which is like, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's repetitive, but it's like, it's like you can mix in multiple songs and you'll never know. If you're not someone who really knows trance, you won't even know you're listening to a different song. Okay. So for like, for like an hour, I'm just like, I'm just like having, I'm like, I feel amazing. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I'm happy. And, um, Everyone's like, dude, we got to go to main stage. It's like, you know, these DJ names are all, it's like, it's like Finger Smash or like, <laughs> right. you know, like Tomahawk <laughs> Carbon, like, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. And I'm just, I'm just like rolling face and I'm like, dude, absolutely not. Like I'm chilling, like leave me alone. And, uh, and again, the great, like the great dudes that were my fraternity, this, this guy wasn't in the, in the military, like my, my brother Ty, like. He's just, he sees me having a good time and he's like, he loves that. So he just stays with me in this trance tent. And I'm just like, I'm just doing this for like four hours. And like, I turn around after like four hours and he's just like, <laughs> he's just like, you ready to go? I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> everything is over. Right. And it's like, and I was like, dude, electronic music was the first thing that I felt after getting out. And, and two, you know, when we talk about drugs a lot, I think Molly really helped me realize that. <clears throat> MDMA helped me realize that that was like something that was possible again, mm. right? Taking it again didn't really help that right. much. But like just that one experience of yeah. realizing this emotion is something you have access to. You're just, something you're doing is blocking you from getting there. And that actually started, that's when I started going to therapy. Um, really great program. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Headstrong through- Oh yeah. Yeah, my now. buddy started it. Yeah. Zach Iskul. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Zach Iskul, he started Task and Purpose and uh, Headstrong. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they they were having some fundraising problems at the beginning of right. uh, all this nonsense, but I think they're doing okay now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a great uh, EMDR counselor through them. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. But yeah, so I started, I started just, I got a little mixer, mm-hmm. was a little bedroom DJ, you know, and then um, I started making my own music. It kind of sucked. I released a couple songs and I, my theory is like, 
a lot of how do you how do you like release songs like w- 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 when you're when you're making something and you're releasing it what does that mean like are you just releasing it on social media or are you yeah. how are you yeah okay gotcha. yeah so um there's a couple ways mm-hmm. so a lot of people just do soundcloud a lot mm-hmm. of oh yeah right and they'll make they'll so there's a difference between your original stuff mm-hmm. and remixes and right. official remixes. So on SoundCloud, you can upload anything and, it, and copyright doesn't strike you. Oh, okay. I didn't get, know that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it does, but you, right. just have to, you have to change it enough. And most peop, most DJs won't go on there and be like, you can't post this remix of my song. Most yeah. DJs are happy that you're doing it, right? Um, remix is a huge part of our industry. Right. Um, and actually, some of that has died and it's really taken down the quality of the music. Um, but I... I don't really like doing stuff that doesn't, that doesn't have, it's not, I, I don't find that to be super tangible, right? You make a really good remix, it goes viral, still no one knows who you are. They can't find you on any right. other stuff. So I just said, I'm going to make my own stuff. So um, I have a uh, distri- distributor called Song Trader. Mm-hmm. They're really cool to me. I'm actually one of their top artists right now. So they actually- Really? Yeah. So they've only like, got like 170 people that work for the company. And they've right. got like hundreds of thousands of artists. And they actually called me on the phone to talk to me. That's fucking cool. Yeah. And, you know, I have like a legitimate account manager. So I just... So explain to me, it's, I've, I've, I know electronic music. Mm. I'm a dumbass when it comes to it. Yeah. So I, I'm really interested because this is something I really don't know a fucking thing about. And it's such a huge industry. It's huge. Yeah. And I don't understand it when I say... Like, how do you explain this to, you know, a 44-year-old, you know, yeah, idiot? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a fellow idiot, so I can, I can talk. Talk we, idiot we talk, with me, we yeah. Talk monkey, right? right? Yeah. We reject modernity and turn to monkey, right? Have you seen that meme? Yeah. No. So, um, so at the top, you have what's called dance music. Yeah, you could, EDM, right? Or just dance music? No. Okay, got it. Um, so at the top, you have dance music slash electronic music, right? Okay. And that starts really in the 80s. Right. Um, since then, it's branched off like crazy. So mm-hmm. EDM is almost, it's almost like a pejorative for someone who isn't making EDM because now I wouldn't, I don't actually get insulted. If okay. you're, if another DJ says you're making EDM and you're trying to make something else, you, right. you'd be like, you'd be like, damn, bro, this is, <laughs> this is trash. Up. Unless you're trying to make EDM. Like some dudes just make, they like, like that's like poppy stuff. That's yeah. what you hear on the radio. A lot of really actually good EDM came out in like 2010 to 2013. Right. And I actually talk about this a lot. A lot of the artists from then, they've continued to push, these big labels are, are funding them. They continue to push them above everyone else. Right. So what's happening is these guys aren't putting out the quality that they used to put out and it's trash. And people are copying that style because they know it'll get them signed with labels. Oh, gotcha. So you're, you're sort of perpetuating like this really shit music right now. So if you actually go and you listen and you look up some of these songs, the, the only songs that survive that continue to be played at clubs today are almost, almost, you know, it's not a competition. Like it's almost all 2010 to 2013. And then the newest song from, you know, two months ago. Right. right? Um, so that's EDM. Uh, on the other side, you have house music. And right. house is like old school, like you got the voice and it's like, like a beat, and then you hear, you know, some deep voice talking, just talking yeah. about mm-hmm. nonsense. Yeah. Well, that branches out into Tech House, okay. which, which is a continuation of that. You have Trance, um, which is kind of where I'm going. Right. Um, you have Bass House, which is where the bass 
is the actual melody. Um, because the the bass sound the bass sounds that you would use for your bass become higher octaves. Do you know oh, octaves? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. So that you you just bump up the octaves of what you would use for bass, and that right. kind of becomes the melody uh, or the chords. Okay. Um, and then those branch out into like a thousand different things. Like right now, I'm trying to make synthwave. Um, I'll show I'll show you after this. It's yeah, like, you got to tell me what I'll this is. Synthwave is it's like a revival of '80s music. Right. Have you heard "Blinding Lights" by uh, The Weeknd? No. Okay, I'll we'll talk to, offline. Yeah, you have to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like a revival of like these really synthy, like '80s, like Escape from New York type. Oh yeah, stuff. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. But it's with more modern sounds, right? And I think that's where the industry's going. And because I don't try to follow what what like right now, everyone's making what's called slap house, which is a variation of bass house. Okay. And I don't want to make slap house because one, I don't. I like it, but I don't like it is what I want to make. I like synthy stuff, but and I like trance. And synthwave is kind of trancey and it's kind of so um that's what I'm trying to make because I think it's where the industry is going and I think it sounds cool. So even if it doesn't go there, my goal is really just to make the best music possible, which I guess you, you're kind of getting into like where how have I been able to scale this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I because I, uh, I'm, I'm like fascinated by this because there's millions of people that, that listen to this. Mm. And when they're talking about it, it's like, it's almost like they're talking about it, talking in a foreign language, right? Yeah. It's like in, so uh, you and I were talking a couple months ago and I was like, God, this would be really fucking interesting because I've talked to multiple people that are like, oh, I'm really into this. And there's millions of people that are into it. And I don't know anything about it. Yeah. In the context of, I know it exists. I know that there are millions of people that are into it. And then it, they come together and it's such a huge industry. Like how big is the industry? Do you even know how big it is like in the US and like internationally as far as like how big this thing is? Yeah. So Europe is, it's huge in Europe. Right. Like every club is playing mm-hmm. dance music. Um, in the U.S., it's it's um, New York, L.A., Miami, a little bit of Houston. Um, I think you're seeing it start to pop up in cities, but it, but it's not like, for example, like you know, I'm based out of Missouri, so mm-hmm. I fly to gigs from there. Right. Um, and in Missouri, everyone's listening to rap. Right. Right. So rap has a rap as a club music has a big hold across the U.S. Um, I don't have a problem with rap. I just don't like it. So I don't. Right. So I don't. You know, I don't go to any of those shows, but right. um, but rap is kind of the dominant thing. So I have to tell clubs like when they're booking me, I'm like, I'm not going to play any rap, no R and B, like that right. doesn't fit in with me. So I have that caveat, so they know, hey, if if my audience isn't going to, you know, respond, if your audience isn't going to respond to this, I'm not a good, I'm not a good fit for this. Right. Um. So you know, but across Europe, I mean, it's huge. Um. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Tomorrowland. No. It's this massive festival in. Uh, in the Netherlands, I think. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, you're talking like hundreds of thousands of people yeah. over two weeks. Um, but yeah, it's more like, I feel like it's more like people are more apt, especially in the US, to go to an EDM festival yeah. than they are. And I'm using EDM just as a blanket term. Yeah. Um, an EDM festival than they are to go to an EDM show. Right. Right. Because they've seen the pageantry everyone wears. Like, yeah outfits and like when I go, like I don't really go anymore. I just, I just perform and I used to like, 
you know, I used to roll face on right. Molly all the time. <laughs> so you, what you do is you put, I was wearing masks before it was, mm-hmm. I want to say cool, but I think the word I'm looking for is stupid. Um, but you'd put this, uh, you'd put this stuff that you put in your nose. It's like to clear your sinuses and you'd put it on the mask and you'd wear it. And like, you're just like, it just like it makes the role super intense. And you're just, you're just like having a good time. Um, but people like that. People like the, that it's kind of like a really super free area and you can do whatever you want. And you can be the person that gets way too fucked up, which I think is actually a problem now. Like people right. go just to get fucked up. And it, oh, yeah. it takes away from the scene, which used to be more like, like love. And people would go around and like give you light shows with their hands and right. stuff. And it was really cool. Now it's more like, I'm going to take 20 tabs of acid and, you know, I'm just going to like sit in this corner and just like mush out. And like, right. we call them wooks. <laughs> but even the non-wook people are like doing that now. And it's just not, it's, it lost kind of like the lovey-dovey, like friendliness of it. Um, you know, so. So as an origin from, you know, from the the perspective of the the origin story of, Electronic music in the United States and then festivals is Burning Man. Is that is there a crossover between like the Burning Man crowd and this crowd? Like, is there like a lot of synergy or crossover or overlap? Yeah, I think I think Burning Man is like a lot of folk. Um, oh, okay, but but electronic kind of molds in with that. Yeah. So there's a there's sort of a spectrum between electronic and folk, and um, I think you kind of get these like dubby sounds, which is like uh, so it's like BPM, right? The mm-hmm. beats yep. per minute. So yep. you get the faster BPMs, those are house music, the slower, like dubstep. Um, and that music's a little more weird and and it's it doesn't have as many rules and you can right. kind of do whatever. I think I think they mold well with folk music. Um, but also like jam and the middle I think is like jam bands. Yeah, yeah. With a with like a keyboard. Right. And it's sort of a spectrum of that. You've got electron straight electronic. Right. It gets a little like wookie here. And then <laughs> you've got you've got a jam band, and then you've got folk music over here. Oh, so that's so fucking interesting. Because uh, I the way you were describing it, it 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 reminded me of the Grateful Dead, probably back in the you know in the '60s, right? So the jam band where it was peace and love and happiness, and you know San Francisco, you know hippie, yeah, beatniks. And then it turned into, it evolved. It still maintained, I think, at its core, this piece. But then it turned into, and you're, from your description, there's a lot of wooks. Yeah. <laughs> People that were just taking a lot of drugs and just like zone the fuck out. Yeah. Right. But there's still a lot of people that really appreciate the music and the genre from that era that didn't just go and lobotomize themselves for hours. Right. So, yeah there's like a legitimate following with millions of people in the United States that listen to this, that appreciate it. So when, when you look at it from the tree of, of influence, like who are the, the fathers of this, like in the early 2000s or the mothers, whomever? Well, right? really, really, it, it, I mean, in my mind, it goes back to Armin Van Buren, who is from the 80s. Okay. Um, and, you know, and uh, Carl Cox. Okay. Um, these are two guys, these are two like the old school guys, but they made sounds that if you mixed it in with mixed in, so like mixing is, you know, mixing on your, on your board. Right. Um, so if you mix those in with music from right now, no one would 
like you'd be like, oh, this is like a cool track. Is this like new? You know, if you didn't know right. it, you'd be like, maybe you'd have to change a few things about it. And that's, if people do that, they'll, they'll do like a 2020 redux where they add in maybe some newer sounds. Um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff from back then you could, you could put it back in. But um, yeah, I think the, the, you've got like, you got like Cash Cash, you got Morgan Page, you've got, um, see, you've got uh, Tiesto, you've got Hardwell, um, you know, like all these, all these guys. And, and, the, but the, but again, the, the problem with some of these guys is like they haven't left the scene. And it's like not these ones I named specifically. Right. Um, these people, the ones I named are people that I really admire. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you've got a lot of these artists who are headlining the same festivals they were headlining in 2013. Right. With the same people below them and the same lineup below that. Huh. And it's just like, you know, and then you get people like Marshmallow. Okay. Right. I will talk shit on this person. <laughs> I went and saw him and it was like, he has this, he had this one good album called Joy Time and it was really cool and synthy and whatever. And, and then I went and saw him and he's like, he's like, yo, you guys fucking ready? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking ready. Cool. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, let's go. 30 seconds later. And then every 30 seconds he was talking. I'm like, shut up, dude. I'm like, <laughs> trying to like, so, so that, and that's where the hype crowd gets in. And that's what you're seeing right now is like the hype crowd. Right. They're like, it's like girls that want to dress up like a fairy. Like, yeah, yeah. Just so they can go there and people will tell them they look beautiful as a fairy. Right. She doesn't care about the music. Like the guy who goes and he's just, he's got like his glasses on. He's got like a uh, pit vipers. I like pit vipers, but solid. He's got pit vipers on and he's took 20 tabs of acid and he's like, Ugh. he's just in a corner, like zombieing out like, oh bro. And then the next day he's telling everyone, dude, it was sick, bro. It was a fucking movie, bro. It's like, what do you remember any of it? No, no, no. <laughs> no. no apparently, like I pissed myself like, yeah. while standing up. It's like, cool, like awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, when you're when when people are booking you out, one, how like are you traveling like all around the United States and playing like clubs? Are you playing venues? Like combination of everything? Like how are they? How do, how does somebody even book you out? Yeah. So, um, I just, right now I just know a lot of promoters. Okay. Um, I am trying to get like a dedicated booker. Right. Um, I've been kind of focusing on the sound lately. So, um, I've got a good amount of, um, royalties coming in from streams. So I've really been focusing on producing. Producing is making the music, um, Mm. you know, on your computer. Um, I'm taking like piano lessons so I can make better chords and all this stuff. Um, because I, I feel like, because the main reason I started was because the mu- I, I started to notice around 2015, I was like, this music is starting to sound not good. Right. <laughs> right. People were copying the people who aren't making good stuff. Right. Because they think that'll get them signed with the labels. And it worked. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to come in. You know, maybe I'm not going to do it all myself, right? Because I came in late. But like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make some melodies. I'm going to work with some guys who can help me to make really good music. And then eventually it's just going to be so good that that it's going to get popular. Got it. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, and it has, it started to work. I get about, just through Spotify itself, I get about 200,000 uh, people listening monthly. Whoa. Um, yeah. My first track just hit 1,100,000. My first track to go over a million just hit 1,100,000 the other day. It was like a trance piece I did. Right. Um, and so... You know, so I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, how how famous can I get mm-hmm. before someone just comes up to me and says, "Hey, like, we need we need you to start playing festivals." And I kind of want to, I kind of like, I mean, this is a problem that I think you'll empathize with. <laughs> like, 
a lot of these people in the, in the industry, they're just very liberal and I'm kind of a dick. Right. And I just don't really, I'm not, I'm not a liberal, but I'm not a conservative. I get along with conservatives very well. Mm-hmm. I'm a libertarian, hardcore libertarian, like radical libertarian. I was actually talking to this person in the industry the other day and she's like, I said, I'm a libertarian. She's like, oh, I'm a libertarian. I'm like, yeah, like we need to legalize fully automatic weapons. And she goes, <laughs> what? And I was like, and I go, and I put my, I, I literally put my hand in my face and go, oh man, I just fucked up. Um, she, thought I, she thought I was a liberal. Oh was, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, joking, joking. The, the craziest part was she tried to, she tried to get me to say that I don't support Donald Trump. And it's like, you mean the guy who hasn't been president for a year and a half? Right. Like, like. You mean the civilian? Yeah. Like, the former president? Yeah. And it's like, and I actually won't say that because I don't really have a problem with Donald Trump. Like, you? you know, the only, I, I love, one of my favorite things was they were like, oh, he's, he's racist. And it was like, well, which, they, what was the thing? They used the clip of him saying the thing about people coming over from Mexico right. when he wasn't even president. No. The fact that you guys couldn't find a better clip than that in five years, like, I don't know. I don't really care. But like, I just couldn't believe I, so if that tells you anything about kind of what I'm up against. So for me, it's just, you know, I fund, I fund it myself. Um, I have one outside investor. Um, you know, I, 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 I consult, uh, in my free time. What um, kind of consulting? Uh, strategy for okay. uh, political campaigns. Um, oh, seriously? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually have a guy you used to talk to, Larry Sharp. He, he's, one of the guys I'm consulting for, uh-huh. um, he's running for governor of New York. Oh, wow. Um, he is trying to get, and it's actually kind of working. He's trying to get the Republican nomination as a libertarian. Wow. <laughs> and it's, and I mean, I think it, he, I'll, I'll let him, I'll yeah. let him yeah, yeah, elaborate yeah. on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but they're, they want to, they want him to have it. I think that's what it is. They want him to have the nomination. Like they're, right. he beat them up so bad because I was his, uh, so I have a background in marketing, mm-hmm. which is kind of how I've been able to elevate myself. Right. Um, but uh, that was, in the last campaign, we were able to beat up the Republicans so bad um, that now they're like, we don't want to face him again. <laughs> so they're trying to, they're courting him to, to do that. So, um, so yeah, so... Um, kind of lot. I, I thought well, I had a point. <laughs> no, I, I think I, I keep, there's, there's, there's a wide level of interest here because you're you're a marketing guy you're doing so many different things so have you worked for other companies as a marketing guy or is it just like yeah yeah you have my um so the job before this i was in finance Mm. uh as marketing i was their only marketing guy solid um uh before that i i was uh the marketing director for uh for a um uh festival on uh on Randall's Island in New York. Okay. Yeah. They actually launched yeah. it that year. I was in charge of the three, 200, no, $350,000 marketing budget, I think. I actually did like an influencer strategy. Right, for that. Right. Worked out really well. Before that, I worked for Larry's original campaign. What's um, that? Uh, running for governor. Oh, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Larry. <laughs> but, <laughs> original um, campaign. Got yeah. It. So the guy before us had raised 10000 running for governor as a libertarian. Right. We raised 500000 Wow. Um, and I was able to do that through social media. Right. Um, I make really good video content. Um, I'm also a cinematographer and producer. Oh, seriously? Yeah. You're, you're going to laugh, but actually I, I, uh, I started my political career working uh, with the Bernie Sanders team. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just needed, I needed some clout. Yeah, yeah. And so I knew I wasn't going to be hired by Trump. I knew I wasn't going to be hired by uh, Hillary. 
and I kind of weaseled my way in. Right. I, didn't, I didn't care about politics at the time. I yeah. just got out of the military. I didn't right. understand. But um, that was kind of how I started my career in that. Um, and yeah, they screwed me over. Uh, they they made us reshoot. So we did ve- a Veterans for Bernie Sanders. Thing. Yeah. We shot it. I shot a $100,000 production on a $10,000 budget. They made me do a reshoot because we didn't have enough diversity in the veteran cast. Because everyone, we had men and women, right. but they were all white. And right. I, all I did was put out a notice over uh, Craigslist. Right. And I talked to people on the phone. I didn't ask them what race they were because I'm not a racist. Right. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and, and it's just so happened that I guess the, the people that responded on Craigslist were all white. So they made us reshoot it, which cost me another $10,000. They weren't going to release it, which is going to screw me over with all the people I called in favors from. So I leaked it. So also fuck them. Fuck officers and fuck the people <laughs> on that campaign. I am telling you to your face, I leaked it. Wait, so where did it go? Did it go up on YouTube? Or, yeah. yeah okay. It got like 500,000 views. Did it really? They, yeah. They were trying to kowtow to the Hillary campaign yeah, at the time. Right. They were trying to surrender and, and see if they could get like a uh, a cabinet spot or something. Right. Because that's, that's half the time is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. In these, these yeah, you're like, just... <laughs> I can talk politics. I can talk music. Like, I'm so involved in all these fucking things. Like, but... um. But yeah, I, speaking of marketing and music, and I know you guys do a bunch of funny videos. I'm, I'm we gonna, try. Yep. So I have two funny music video ideas. Okay. That I don't have the budget for. And Hit totally, me. totally think, think on these. Okay. You don't have to give me an answer, but so I have two music video ideas. One is a parody of Scooby-Doo. It's called How, the, the video itself is called Howl. Okay. Right? So it's a parody of Scooby-Doo. So the gang comes up, you know, Shot of the front of the van. Mm-hmm. Van comes up. It's it's a Scooby Doo van parody. Got it. Um, the gang gets out. They're all in rave gear, right? This could all be dudes, or it could all be extremely hot women, um, posing, you know, dressing up like the Scooby Doo gang, right? Which means someone's gonna have to dress up like a dog, which is gonna be hilarious. It- so they get to a farm. You know, the farmer is talking to them. There's a there's a, a monster. All of a sudden, in the back of the gang, like wide shot of the gang. In the back, you see a furry's head pop up. And the fur and they all turn around and they run away, right? And so this entire video is a Scooby-Doo parody where there's a furry chasing the gang. And, you know, like they're running around the doors and they go in one door, but they somehow they come out of another door. So you need a hallway like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then at, you know, one point, like the the furry is wearing Shaggy's underclothes, but the furry hat, and you know, Shaggy's wearing the furry suit and you know, his face. And then the end, two endings. One ending would be, you know, we unmask the furry and it's like you. <laughs> right. Um, or anyone you would want it to be. Yeah. Or the second ending, since it's Howl and it's about like, it's kind of like a werewolf thing, mm-hmm. the song itself, is we lift off the mask and it's a sub, it's a Subway sandwich. <laughs> and then the gang just goes into a feeding frenzy <laughs> and fucking eats the sandwich. I like that one. I like that one. So that's the first one. Yeah. Now, the second one, there's two names that this could be. One would be... Uh, the hunt for WAP, right? Okay. WAP, wet ass pussy. Yep. Or the hunt for Red Cocktober. <laughs> red Cocktober. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a base house piece. It's like really energetic. Um, and there are two different budget sizes for this. I'm going to give you the the big budget, but then yeah. how we could downsize this thing. So um, it's a shot for shot remake of obviously not the whole movie, but the best scenes in the hunt for Red October. But it right. starts out close up your face. You got aviators on. You have a corn, not a corn cob pipe, but like the old admirals. Yeah, yeah. Right? Boom. You take off the glasses. 
And then the pipe just drops out of your mouth and you're like, mother of God. And then it turns and it's a group full of women in bikinis with super soakers, right? Right. In front of like a, I don't know, some big ass house, mm -hmm. almost like a sorority house or something. Right. And then all of a sudden we cut to, you're on a, you're on like a cruiser or something, right? On the bridge. And you're, you've got a bunch of, you know, men around you. This, maybe this could be the core four, right? Could, yeah. Um, and they're all wearing like skivvies with, uh, with the um, Dixie cup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The dog bowls. Yeah. Yep. And then we, sh we, and then it would change based on whether it's the hunt for Red Cocktober or if it's the hunt for WAP. Right. Of, of who's in the sub, right? right? Whether it's men or women. So we go to the sub and it's women in bikinis, but it's like that Russian style. Right. Right. And then, you know, you have the captain. And then basically we're hunting them the whole time with, with famous shots from that. And then obviously a lot of like, you know, and, and obviously, you know, this is very sexist, right? So I'm not sure that you guys would ever be down for something like this. And definitely no one in, in uh, the music industry would be down for this kind of thing anymore. I'm pretty sure Matt Matt would be good with this. Yeah, he, he likes he likes to push the line, you know, or he likes to he likes to line step if not step over it. I'm not sure if you uh, you've seen some of his videos. I've maybe seen one, one or two, two or seven. Yeah, yeah. Or... yeah, he's and this is like right up his alley. So we're doing this. Uh, we're doing one that we're releasing in. Um, April, which will be a big surprise for people. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you offline what that's going to look like. And okay. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting concept, which is going to like, it might make a few jaws drop. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a little bit insane, but like for us, when we like do these videos and it's funny because we just, come up with them. So we're just like, whatever. So we do these verses now. So I don't know if you've seen any of those where we bring in guys and we're like, hey, you you direct it. And we're just like, whatever. And, but we have 48 hours to direct and release the entire fucking video. And it turns into just the most ridiculous shit. Like the last one we did was um, the human, which was like the ultimate man hunting ranch or whatever, but it was, it was fucking stupid. But we've... Like We're always like a, game for good ideas. There was like a good zombie. Stupid ideas. There was like a zombie one the other the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch that one, but um, but I I think I should. Right. I went to the YouTube channel. I didn't see it on there. I was gonna like I should watch that this morning, and I didn't see it. So I'm. Oh, it's on Matt's. I think we were, oh, we, were okay. we were driving traffic over there. We yeah, were, and that's the thing. I always get confused because so when I first started researching you guys, I'm like because I knew Article 15. Yeah, for sure. And I knew Black Rifle. Right. But I'm like, wait, these guys are, and I'm like, oh. And then listen to the podcast and I'm starting to put two and two together. Right. You know, because I listened to most of your guys' interview podcasts. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, you guys did McCullough. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you did, um, who was that author? Um, that was a good one. You you did, um, um, if, you, if you're listening. Malcolm Gladwell. You should listen to the Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. The people listening, you should listen to the Malcolm Gladwell one. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell's an that was, awesome guy. That was tough. Like you, you were talking about like not, not being able to tell your kids like, you know, and like some of the stuff and that, you know, that's like, the way you said it just really, it was really, I connected with, you know, I can tell this to veterans, but I can't tell this to other people because they're just not going to get it. Yeah. And, you, and there are things that we can talk about as veterans who like, we have these shared experiences and that's one of the things with even the company, we have 50, 50% 50 vets here. So it's like, you, you can't walk down the hall without 
high fiving some asshole that was in the military, you know, and that's a good thing because mm. we can have a lot of cool, interesting, you know, conversations about you know, service or whatever it might be. But we also have really, um, we have a, 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 a typically a dark sense of humor as well. So you're not really worried about offending people or whatever it might be. I think it's like one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was like, and I think it was really fucking really cool because you chose such a different way to, to, you know, you went from the Navy, you made your transition and now you're doing something like so different, right? You're, you've made this unorthodox professional life decision where you're like, I'm running into some politics. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, do you classify it as EM then? Electronic music? So can uh, you say no, EM? You say, or? you say uh, dance music or dance electronic music. music. Yeah, okay. So electronic music. I don't... I think it's fucking awesome. Like I love seeing like like bats specifically go out and carve their own way and do something completely different and be like, this is, this is exactly what the fuck I'm doing and who cares? Like this is what I do. Because it's awesome. Like, and it's different than... A lot of the guys that we have on the show, it's, 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 you know, and I, I love them. They're like mm. my bros, obviously, like, you know, uh, because evidently people call me a bro vet, but, um, you know, if guys go from like SF to the CIA or wherever they go, like, I don't, I don't get to talk to a lot of guys who are like, oh, this is what I'm doing. And it's awesome. And this is like a totally different culture of people that are way into this that, Honestly, I have like zero exposure to like, you know, when I go home and I'm hanging out with my kids and I've been watching this stupid show on Amazon. It's like, um, did you ever watch Top Gear? Yeah. Did you ever get into Top that? Gear. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen an episode, but I didn't get super into it. I got into it. Not, And I'm not even a big car guy. Mm. Um, I actually have like almost zero interest in cars typically, like almost like none. But... Jeremy Clarkson is one of the main characters and uh, he's got this farm now in the UK and I've been watching this stupid show on him like becoming a farmer, which is like this urbanite now becoming a farmer. And I'm like hyper interested in this. I know nothing. I know fuck all about farming. Mm. And that's like why one of the reasons why I'm like, I know nothing about you know, electronic music, I got to have you on the show to tell your story so I can try to figure this out in a way that's like very interesting to me. So when you think about over the next like couple years and we think about with music just in general, and I've heard this from a lot of people, do you think that, do you think that like lyric, lyrical music in general, do you think it'll start to downsize its general influence in, in like American society? Or do you think that it, it'll roughly stay the same? When you, do you think it, when you say lyrical music, like, um, like rock, like typical rock, typical country, like pop music. That's like takes, you know, a singer, like a main focus. And do you think that they'll de-emphasize that? And do you think there'll be more of an emphasis on electronic music? You think it's growing and it's going to continue to grow and more more like eclipse general pop music? Yeah. Well, so um, I wanted to touch on one thing you said because you, you uh, real quick before I yeah, get to that, please. you're talking about, um, you know, veterans. Like the thing is, you know, 
you just have to not, you have to expect zero institutional support if you're a veteran and you're like, like trying to start something creative. Because yeah. as soon as people hear that, like I put Navy veteran, Navy vet on my Instagram, like, right. you know, like that's it. Because, yeah. and not, I'm not, but I'm not against it. The first thing I say is, you know, people say, you're Guantanamo. Yeah, I went to Guantanamo Bay. Like, right. I, or I say I used to work there as if it's like, I used to work at Arby's. <laughs> like, oh, I used to work at Arby's, yeah. You know, like, I say it exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, cool, like every security guard's oh, this badass name. Like, yeah, I used to work there. And, right. But um, don't expect any institutional support because when people hear that you were in the military, they they immediately look at you like a certain way. Yeah. And so I that's why I still to this day, you know, do contract work because that money is what funds like because I do I I know how to run ads. Right. And that's what I do. I run ads to make sure people hear my music, and the mu- but the music also has to be good enough. Right. Right. So if you're trying to do it, like just keep in mind that, you know, just because the institution isn't supporting you, like it's up to you to figure out how to do that. If that right. means you have to work full-time while DJing full-time while producing full-time, like so fucking what? Right. Like, you just won't have any free time. So you won't have a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but um, This is a really good point though. Like, and I'll, ta- I'll, I'll tackle on that, which is creativity, especially coming out of, you know, the military specifically. Like I, I've always been very creative compared to my peer group. Like you, you were talking about it in the, the mind of the philosopher, right? Where you talk about it. And I, I would actually talk about it more in the, in the context of comedian in that I had a mind of, of very similar, but it's mainly built around comedy. I'd always look for these points and reference when whatever we are doing to emphasize what I thought was funny. That, that was like how my mind worked all the time. And sometimes you have to diagnose what's happening from like a subculture perspective and then look at it objectively, poke holes in it in order to find where the humor in such event is, right? So uh, I can emphasize, or I, I can be very, I, I can think about this and understand like 12-hour shifts around detainees and then shift work one alone, shift work is, really difficult and I, I would have a really hard time doing it because it almost feel like you were in prison as well. I did. <laughs> uh, I, and so I can't even imagine what the mental toll for somebody that's like actively thinking all the time. And two, when I got out, it was almost like I got let out. It's like I was free. I could go and do what I wanted to do without judgment from my peers and I could be as creative as I want. If I want to sit down and draw something or... And not as if like people were preventing me from doing it before. It's just, there's not this hyper-creative culture that's built around the military. There just isn't. Um, I wish there was. Yeah. I really... Because there's some in, incredibly intelligent and creative people in the military where I think if we did encourage that, I think they would they would actually be much happier ultimately. But yeah, you know, I think it's ironic because right, you look at like the 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 backbone of the creative industries were all built on veterans, mm-hmm. right? And and even literary, right? Right. Um Socrates, right? Philosopher was a he was a he was a soldier before he was a philosopher. Right. Right. Um go, you know, jump ahead to J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Right. He the thing, the horrors he saw. Yeah. I saw the movie. The horrors he saw in that war. Um, just thinking about it, excuse me, like goosebumps. Yeah. Like, the horrors he saw in that war were what inspired him to write what he wrote. Like the um the I forget the name of it. One of my uh one of the guys that was in my fraternity went to um 
he went to a different school and he went to our fraternity because we were, uh, we were, um, he didn't have one at his school. And um, it was like the Design Institute. I forget the name of it. Uh, it's in New York City, but it was started by a veteran, four veterans after World War II to use their GI Bill to get into the creative fields. Right. And tons of people went into the, um, went into uh, the film industry from there. Mm-hmm. So you have all these things and it's like, well, I think, I think, um, I think veterans are creative. I think we're just not, again, people, when I got out, oh, you're going to be a cop. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a cop. Like a lot of my best friends are cops. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I just, I didn't want that. Right. But everyone, even again, even the institutions right now, and I will say, I actually have to give a shout out to the herd label. They're my first institutional investor. Um, but um, besides them, they, no one else has come to me and been like, yo, we're going to, you know, like people, they call it developing artists. Right. right? So if you look at, um, you know, Lil Nas X. Oh yeah. Yeah. His old town row came out mm-hmm. It went viral. And then, you know, people put millions of dollars into him because they knew they were like, okay, we can develop this guy into right. like this really famous artist and, you know, we'll get our returns from it. Right. Um, people don't really see that with veterans. They'll do it with, you know, not, I don't want to say not at all, but it's just, it's people, as soon as they hear veteran, they just think like, you know, one person, like when I met people in college, they'd be like, you're a veteran? Like, oh, when I think of a veteran, I think of like a gr- my, like my grandpa, like right. walking around with a cane and telling, yeah, yeah. like stories about being in a flying fortress. Right. She wasn't that specific. She doesn't know what a flying fortress is. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so, and then, and then you asked the second question, uh, I... Um, I kind of trailed off on sure. that. Did you ask a, what was this, what was the second part of that? Well, actually I added the first part. What was the question? Well, it was, I think what I was getting to was the, the growth of the, the music ah. itself. And then how do we, how do you look at music in the future? And do you think that electronic music will ultimately uh, eclipse what mainly like like vocals because I see like I see this trend I see this rapid growth and then do you guys talk about it as like this is going to be the, the the music that that ultimately is defining like humanity of the future I guess I don't know yeah I mean you know I, we definitely are not returning to monkey right correct like people are talking about the metaverse and all yeah, this yeah. stuff and and um which I which you know I do think it it's inevitable, right? And people are, do like electronic music way more than they used to. Mm-hmm. And it is wildly more popular. And I, so what I can do, which, which is great um, with like Spotify and, and some of the other ones that provide statistics, I'm not talking up Spotify. I don't love, I don't love the payouts I get from them, but, but um, I'll take it. You sure. know, it is what it is. Um, but I can look at the cities where I'm getting traction, right? Right. And of course, New York, LA, Miami, but like I said, Houston starting to pop up. Right. I see DC starting to pop up. Um, I see uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely spreading. Like right. it looks like herpes. Like it's like <laughs> it's like, it's, <laughs> it's like just flaring up in little spots. Yeah. You can say flaring up. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of flare ups. Um, I've seen a lot of more commercials uh, for that kind of stuff on TV. And I think that's why. Do you think it's trending younger too? Do you think it's like with a specific, I would say from, you know, and I don't even know what generation we're on to be honest with you, but like from the perspective of social media, are, do you think most of your listeners would be more into like Twitch or 
IG or what, what are they into? Yeah. So, um, like millennials, yeah. I think, I think you were either a millennial who was into electronic music or you think it's like, like silly robot music. Right. right. I think zoomers, um, that's, that's the new generation. Um, I think the zoomer, I, it's Gen Z, but I call them zoomers. Right. Cause it's like boomers, zoomers. Boomers. Yeah. I like, that. um, yeah. I trademarked that. So if you Zoomer. It, you have to I'm going to use it. Yeah. Pay me royalties. I'll, I'll, I'll just use it twice. Great. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll send you the bill. Um, but yeah, so the Zoomers, they're, they're open to it. The, like they're, you know, I've, I've played, a, you know, a couple college parties and, and um, like, I, like I said, I don't play any rap. And especially if you're in, again, Missouri or you're in some of the Southern states, like they are more used to hearing rap. Right, so, right. So I noticed they're they're into it, but like if you play for like a millennial crowd and they're into rap and you play electronic music, it's not it's not great. So there's definitely the growth potential right now is massive, and right. we're gonna start seeing what Europe sees, which is like a lot more people listening to it. People are into actually into tech house right now, which is tech house is like really repetitive and it's like an overarching voice of like it almost sounds like angelic or godly coming on. Oh yeah, in the middle yeah. of this thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. People are actually really into that right now. So, um, which really surprised me because EDM is, EDM is like a million miles away from that. Right. So I really do think um, Gen Z is going to, is going to make it big. So what's next? Is, is this your, like what you're doing right now, just grow your audience, grow what you do and have more influence? Or are you thinking more in like professional marketing track? Like what's next for you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, like a lot of people are focused on getting the gigs, Yeah, but it's like, if you can't bring the audience, if people aren't, if people aren't excited that you're going to be there or right. they're not just looking to see how much clout you have, like a lot of the time, you know, if you have a million followers or monthly listeners worldwide, right. how many of those people live in one city? Probably not a lot because yeah. it's very spread out, but they'll look at your profile. They'll go to your Instagram or they'll like, they'll like look at you on Spotify to see how many followers you have to see if it's worth going to. Because again, people just go for, you know, like hype. Right. Right. Which I don't have a problem with. Yeah. So I'm at 200,000 right now. Um, so my first year of really being serious, I had a million uh, streams that year. Last year I had 2.1. This year, um, just with my own investments and uh, the investment I got from Herd Label, I'm looking at probably hitting... Seven or eight million. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. So um, so yeah. So the question to me is do I do I go and try to get the gigs or do I just keep really improving on the music right. and really bumping up the number of people that are listening to it? And I think focusing on bumping up the number of people who are listening to it, because no one else is doing that. They're just trying to get signed with a big label with crap music. And the problem with making the, the crap music is people are gonna forget about it in a year. Right. And then, like Tiesto, like again, Tiesto doesn't make crap music like Tiesto, but Tiesto's got a huge following. He's going to have a huge following for the rest of his life. He's a superstar, right? So no one's going to stop listening to Tiesto. But you, who made this slap house track that you don't even like, that maybe maybe a ghost producer made the whole thing, um, you know, which I don't even have a problem with if a ghost producer made it. Ghost producers where you don't have anything to do with it and someone else makes it. I don't have a problem with that, but you don't even like it and you're just releasing it. Like if you don't even like it. <laughs> Like right. no people might like it for a year because they're sort of in a I'll use a, a term I may have heard this year that isn't true, mass psychosis. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't a real it's not a real thing, apparently. I watched CNN TV, it's not a real thing. <laughs> um 
But um, but yeah, a year later, they're going to be like, nah, that track was, they'll, they'll hear it and, you know, they'll be like, oh yeah, this is a pretty good song and it'll, it'll go to the next one. They won't look at what your name is. They right. won't try to follow you, you know. Um, and the second thing, so I'm going to focus on making the music. The second thing is, and this one's a little harder because I just don't have the the funds for it, but like, I really need to focus on making a personality for myself. Like, mm. what makes me different from all the other people, like... Um, you know, I, I got to start making like some funny videos and stuff and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, that, that's hard with the amount of time I have. Right. But, um, but I don't know. You just, you got to do what you got to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So. It was awesome, man. Like Zach, yeah. this has been great. Thanks, yeah. dude. Thanks, Appreciate dude. it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome back anytime, um, buddy. And have then fun in Salt Lake. If, uh, if yeah, you please. want to, if you want to, uh, listen to my music, it's on not figuratively, but literally every streaming platform every that is available so just if you're on spotify right now just go straight to it guantanamo bay that's b-a-e b-a-e guantanamo bay and we'll put links to it in the uh youtube video but definitely like check him out he's on instagram obviously on on everything but just check it out just music and then instagram i haven't i can't do tiktok you know Uh, i can't either man like it's too many like weird middle-aged women lip singing like it fuck it, it fucks in my head i'm or like this is weird the, did you see the army officer who does dances <laughs> yes Oof. like actually there's a couple tiktok pages like we, we won't cut out just right now because there's like a couple tiktok pages where it's like just boots being like is oh fucking God. like as miserable it is like it's so cringeworthy for me to watch these because they're they're trying to gather sympathy or whatever. And I get it, right? It's like boots, like being boots because they want to get laid and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this or whatever. And you're like, oh, dude. Like, thank God we didn't have things like this. Like when I was like a fucking boot because I probably would have made some dumbass shit too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank God. Cool. See you, man. Yeah, thanks. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!